0: You are listening to NFL Kickoff Live, an hour-long weekly show where Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs join me, Tanitra Batiste, to break down this week's action and biggest storylines around the NFL. You can catch us live each week from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern on your favorite Locked On NFL YouTube page. (laughs) Welcome into Kickoff. It's the best hour of football talk every single Friday. We'll go around the NFL, talk about every team and every game, and we'll get local insight you can't get anywhere but right here at Locked On. I am Tanisha Batiste, your host, and alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs. Let's go straight to Thursday night football. Guys, it was an interesting game because it was one of those kind of showdown matchups, right, that we were looking for, not just because these are two teams that are playoff bound, but because these are two teams coming out of the AFC North, which has been, hmm, what do we call it? Kind of clogged up in a good way, though. It's four teams that are truly battling for the division and battling for the rights. Uh, worst case scenario for wild card. Now, the thing about this game was this: yes, the Ravens did walk away with the win, thirty-four to twenty was the final. But both teams walked away with losses. Obviously, uh, with the Bengals, it was Joe. Uh, Joe Burrow with his wrist injury and of course with the Ravens they're unfortunately going to lose what Lamar Jackson likes to call his WR1 although we know that Mark Andrews is a tight end he's going to have season-ending surgery so that was pretty much a blow to the Ravens but that wasn't really the story of stories it turns out from that game right because we get reports this morning from the NFL that they are investigating Joe Burrow's injury and trying to figure out whether or not there was some shakiness about the Cincinnati Bengals and the injury report this week. They said, quote, that the Bengals had posted a video on X Wednesday night of Burrow getting off the team bus wearing what appeared to be a soft cast on his right hand, they later deleted that post and then Burrow appeared to be hampered by the injury against the Ravens even before leaving the game in the second quarter. So it definitely brings up some questions about whether or not the Bengals were gave full disclosure, Kyle, or whether or not there's a little bit more going on with that injury. And I'll tell you, Kyle, Jarvis and I have seen that video and that movie kind of play out twice here in Atlanta, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on how this could impact uh, the Bengals down the road. In both instances, the compliance issue, as well as just losing uh, Joe Burrow for a minute overall.
1: Yeah, I I think you know Cincinnati sitting at five and five, and what the rest of their schedule looks like. If Joe Burrow is going to miss any time at this point, like your margin for error was spent up when Joe Burrow was banged up with the calf issue earlier this season, and you know that they're they're really at a point where a wild card, you probably need double digit wins. So you need to go five and two over this stretch, and you play Pittsburgh twice, you play Cleveland, so you're going to have divisional games that you have a chance at, but. The margin for error is very small, and Pittsburgh's very opportunistic. Uh, They play Pittsburgh next. Would I trust Jake Browning against the Pittsburgh's defense to not turn the ball over? No, absolutely not. As far as the compliance issue, whoops. Anytime you delete the video, probably give some kind of an inclination that something was a little... And Joe started the game with a a brace, right? So um, it's one of those things where... Uh, I understand you don't have to get put on the injury report if you don't receive any treatment and you don't miss any reps. That's kind of like the the deal with the injury report. But if we're traveling on Wednesday, the night before the game, with a, a soft cast or a brace or whatever it was, Joe just decided to strap down on himself. He wasn't right. getting any treatment for that. Like that. That's where I do think it is worth the league kind of kicking the tires here and figuring out what's going on.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And granted, Jarvis, the NFL, as we know from the situation from Bijan Robinson to Desmond Ritter, right? When Bijan Robinson miraculously wasn't in the game until like the fourth quarter for exactly one play, and there were question marks after that. And so when Desmond Ritter went down with what was thought to be or allegedly was a concussion that like a lot of eyes are raised. Now, granted, the NFL said, hey, we routinely look at these matters of compliance within the injury report policy. But there are some fines where if they think something is amiss, could be team fines, potentially a lost draft pick. And you got to think, was it that important? I mean, I know this was a very do or die type of game, but Jarvis, for what it might have, what might hamper them, draft picks, fines, And possibly you put pressure on Joe Burrow, where maybe he does not come back and give you Joe Burrow at all for the rest of the season. Was it I mean, was it worth it
2: to be honest with you? I mean, if they would have handled it correctly, I I think we wouldn't even be having this conversation because. At the end of the day, when you have your your head coach talking about, oh, I wasn't aware. Like, you mean to tell me you wasn't aware that your starting quarterback, fifty million dollar a year contract quarterback, you don't know what what's going on with him that he has a soft cast on his arm, on his throwing, you know, on his on his wrist? Like, that's not, that's just weird. Like, so I think that you know, because if they would have put him on the injury report as a full participant for the entire week and took him off on Friday. This we will not even be having this conversation. So it's yeah. just like it's just little things that you know, like 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 teams like this bring this on themselves. Like the Arthur Smith and Atlanta Falcons, they should know. Like if they would have said, "Hey, you know, going to the trainer like before the game, hey, Bijan's not feeling well. Maybe we can give him some some medicine or something like that." This is the last minute report. You know, we just got this information. Go ahead and get out ahead of these things. Like that's how you handle that stuff. And I think that when you like 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 kyle said if you deleting videos and stuff and hiding evidence and oh well don't know a video you talking about oh i wasn't aware like that's when you look guilty so yeah of course so i think that you know they should handle these questions accordingly like hey we didn't handle this the right, right way or or let the nfl you know let the investigation play out with the nfl and say hey y'all can come out shining and, and brag on you know, being in the right, like like the Falcons did. So, but I think ultimately, you know, when you have these type of situations, you just got to handle it correctly and get out of in front of it. and then so you won't be looking crazy at the end of the day,
0: yeah. And don't get me wrong. Affairs fair. The Steelers had this melee themselves, this little meltdown in 2019 where they didn't disclose properly and Ben Roethlisberger got fined 75 grand and Mike Tomlin got fined 25 grand. So we do know it happens and sometimes it's like playing chestnut checkers. So we get that, but you got to think about maybe that ultimate cost if it does not work out your way, like you said. Worked in the favor of the Falcons. They pushed forward, but you never know how this one is going to play out. Now, the other interesting part of that as well is just like you mentioned, Casey, it drops Cincinnati down to five and five. Baltimore improves to eight and three. Then You got the Steelers at six and three. You got the Browns at six and three. But you have a Browns team that while they're hosting the Steelers, they're going to do so without the services of one Deshaun Watson, who has officially been ruled out for the season because, of course, he had to have Season ending shoulder surgery. So does all of this kind of play into the hands of and not to mention how it's going to impact Lamar Jackson with Mark Andrews being down for the count? And don't forget, Odell Beckham was questionable in his return too. how do all of these things kind of play out in the Steelers favor, if at all.
1: Uh, Pittsburgh has been a team that has just been super opportunistic. They don't overwhelm you in any capacity. They are very clunky offensively. They don't run a very exotic scheme. They don't dress stuff up. They get critiqued for running the same five concepts over and over and over again. And yet, lo and behold, they get a bunch of key turnovers. Now the schedule's breaking their way where you're talking about facing Dorian Thompson Robinson this week and potentially facing Jake Browning next week. You're already six and three. Baltimore getting bagged up in the skill group and you know that that was Pittsburgh won that game the first time that they played anyway I think so that that was like the 17-10 game or whatever it was like Pittsburgh's schedule looks pretty favorable and if you just look at the remaining strength of schedule that they have it's middle of the pack but Mm -hmm. they have some good breaks with the tougher teams on their schedules that starting quarterbacks not being in the game I, I think Pittsburgh really has a chance to to make a run here, if not not the division, if Baltimore is able to take their injuries in stride, be the team that separates from the other two teams in the AFC North.
0: Indeed, and right now, J.D., they are at the top of the wild card pack for the AFC and a couple other things, having a healthy Cam Hayward. uh, That that is impressive. And Pat Fryer, who was cleared, he's now in his 21-day window. So there are also some things that are breaking the Steelers' way as far as the health of this team on both sides of the ball.
2: Well, I trust one side of the football. That's the defensive side, right? Because, you know, you got a guy like T.J. White who can just absolutely just wreck a game. Those are the type of, you know, those guys I could trust. But when you go on to the offensive side of the football, okay, Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, you know, Kenny Pickett, you know, all of those guys, they seem like they're starting to catch the stride because the weird thing about the about the Pittsburgh Steelers, like they've given up more points than they've scored. So it's just Minus like, <laughs> right. And it's yeah. so crazy for, for them to be where they are right now. Like, like we're talking about them cont- potentially taking over his division because of given their upcoming schedule. So it's just, it's just hard for me to trust that. And then I, I judge, I, I'm a simple guy. I like to judge teams by their quarterbacks. I don't trust Kenny Pickett. And I dang sure don't c- trust the uh, offense coordinator and Matt Canada. So that's kind of where I'm at with it, T. Now, granted, there's some good things happening on the defense side of the football. I'll mm-hmm. trust those cats all day, every day, especially the guy that put their hands in the dirt and sat the quarterback. But Indeed. when it comes to the offensive side, it's just it's just a little tough for me to get on board with that.
0: Now, what I'm going to be interested in seeing is whether or not, Maybe trusting them more is sometimes if you're the squeaky wheel, Kyle, that's how you get the oil, George Figgins. So <laughs> the fact that George Figgins is having his moment of Keyshawn Johnson, give me the damn ball, maybe that kind of fires things up. I'm thinking at practice. And when you get into the space where slowly but surely, eventually you get back your one at full strength, Deontay Johnson. I think that makes a difference as well. And listen, the Steelers are a team, no matter who's at wideout. really does always rely on the tight end and there were really moments where Pat Fryer was able to dig, dig Kenny Pickett out of the mud, dig it out of the mud for him. So I think maybe those things will kind of play favorably to the Steelers as time goes on coupled with the schedule that you just mentioned and the fact that it's not exactly the strongest in the way of strength of schedule.
1: Yeah, and you'd like to think as they get the full complement of of skilled players back, they've had some guys that have stepped into to smaller void or larger voids, with Jalen Warren getting elevated in the backfield, and he's he's caught like thirty thirty something passes already this season, been very active as, as kind of a multifaceted player. I don't know what George is too upset about. He's the only player on the team with more than 40 targets this season. He's got like 62 targets. Now he's only caught 33 of those 62 targets. So your percentage of catchable balls and the plays that you're able to make in the separation that he's able to make is a different story altogether. But George is very much that player that they'll take their shots down the sideline with him and try to create some big plays. You'd like to think when you get the full compliment back, they can maybe space the field a little bit better. And I did think George coming out of Georgia was – uh, a player who was a outside receiver, contested catch, possession-type player. If you can space the field and stress it better, then he can find more space to be a possession player and, and have more uh, high-efficient targets in the passing game instead of just throwing in the ball. So uh, I, I'd like to think if Pittsburgh's going to get this thing to catch fire, that's going to be a big catalyst for them because they are getting some guys back.
0: And drivers with them getting those guys back, but with the Browns dealing with the challenges that they face, Deshaun Watson is the starting point with that, obviously. But how do they have an what is the opportunity for them to maybe make sure they walk away with a win in this game so that they can stay in the conversation both for the division? Because to me, still the whole division is in conversation to win the AFC North, but also to stay at the top of the heap for the wild card spot.
2: Yeah, I, I think like when you're talking about You know, Dorian Thompson, you know, Robinson, as far as being the quarterback for this team, you know, he's going to be able to step in for a guy like Deshaun Watson. It's it's going to be hard. Like, and I I think it's going to the charge has to be led by this defense. Right. With Miles Garrett and the the type of season that he's been having and being at just dominating, you know, teams left and right, it's going to have to be led by that defense. And I think that. You know, Doran Robinson is going to just not turn the ball over. I think that's going to be his his one main goal every game. If he doesn't turn the ball over, they're probably going to have a, a pretty good chance of winning a football game. So, if mm-hmm. they can if they can figure out how to hone him in and figure out how to move the football, and, and you know, uh, uh, as far as with the running game and, and keeping games close and, and shrinking those time um possessions for the opposing team, I really feel like that you know the Cleveland will. They'll have an opportunity to at least stay in the conversation, like you said, at AFC North.
0: Right. And I think, too, when you have some veteran weapons, like especially David Njoku, that that should help you out tremendously. Like you don't have to be the perfect quarterback. You just, like you said, have to be efficient. Make sure that you protect the ball and then, you know, just put your team in position because the defense is going to give you opportunities. The defense is going to give you opportunities to win. You just have to take advantage of those opportunities, I feel like. But yeah, that's going to be an interesting game because like you guys said, the Steelers are a conundrum. I, I mean, and probably those numbers are skewed by the fact that they got smoked a couple times, but you know, between uh, what is it, 49ers and, and the, the Titans. So when you get smoked twice in nine games, it kind of skews. But yeah, everything about that doesn't shock me when you say that, hey, teams have outscored them and somehow they're still six and three That's very much the Steelers way because we stay middling. But anyway, it's almost time for a couple of teams that don't stay middling at all because they are always on top of their game. It is certainly the game that everybody has been waiting for. Our game of the week between the Chiefs and Eagles we are going to talk about it on the other side. But before we get into that, we have a quick word from Jarvis about prize picks.
2: This episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. How about that? Good lord. That is amazing. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. None of this battling thousands of other guys and pros and sharks. All you got to do is just pick more or less. And then on a two to six player stat projection and watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here, guys. You can now pick combo projections across football and includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, Le- LeBron James Moore and Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half combo of three points made plus receptions. I'm telling you, this is easy math, guys. You need to go to Prize Picks right now and check them out. Also, Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players is injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half, and does not return in the second, um, that player is rebooted. Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. You, you, I'm telling you guys, and all you have to do is just go to this website, prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy.
0: All right, guys, the day is finally here. We're walking into week 11 with a showdown of effort proportions. It is the Super Bowl rematch that we have all been waiting for between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. But before we talk about it here on the desk, I want to go to Chris Clark of Locked On Chiefs and Gino Camilleri of Locked On Eagles to preview this marquee matchup.
3: Like If they don't don't allow this team to punt, if they don't get one punt, I'm going to be so angry that they just sat back and let Pat Mahomes do the same thing. They can't do what happened in February. Take that game plan and throw it in the garbage from a defensive perspective, but just let Jalen Hurts cook. Comes down to QB1. He has to know that this moment isn't his Super Bowl. It's just another moment to show who this team is and what Jalen Hurts is. That's one of the better QBs, but it's going to be great, man. Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, we know the storylines. The NFL, you're welcome. You're welcome. A lot of eyes are coming to you because of these two teams.
4: Yeah, this game is going to be fantastic. I cannot, I absolutely cannot wait. I've i been looking forward to this game since the season, since it came out, when it was going to be. I uh, thought it was going to be a great game. It looks like it's going to be fantastic. The one thing I will say that I'm, I'm hateful. I'm a little bit hateful that Nick Bolton won't be able to play in this game because I think that's a big mm-hmm. loss for Kansas City stopping the run and being able to stop Hurts running the ball and just their offense in general. Uh, but, Other than that, I feel really good about this game, and I will give just a prediction. I'm not going to give a score. I think Kansas City wins, but it's not necessarily for the reason that they won against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. For me, it's the way their defense is playing. They've allowed one team to score more than 20 points this year, and that was the Denver Broncos. And that was – they gave them a touchdown on a short field. I mean, I'm not going to try to take it away from the, the Broncos' offense, but Kansas City couldn't get anything done that day on offense themselves. But then they also were in a situation where they gave in the short field score. And if you stay away from that, I think Kansas City can slow any defense or sorry, any offense down, including the Eagles. And I think that their passing defense is better than what it was in the Super Bowl. So that's going to be something I'm going to be really excited to see if it plays out.
3: That defense has not allowed points. Can the Eagles be a team that like they've done all year against them? Defenses like at the time, Tampa Bay had a really good run defense. They kind of picked that apart. They've gone against some of these other good defenses like Miami at times has been really good. They picked them apart as well. Dallas didn't make any turnovers when it came to that side of the field. Can they do that again against Kansas City? But like you said, it's a different team, two different teams. It's throughout the record book, that Super Bowl, it was long in the past. These teams have come a long way. They've changed a lot in terms of personnel, the Eagles, in terms of coaching staff. It's, they don't have the same offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, but it's going to be what team just can win in the X's and O's. Who's going to be the chess master of this game? That's what it's going to boil down to. I've said that a lot, what it boils down to. That's that's the epitome of this game. And Monday night should be good. Go check out Lockdown Eagles and Lockdown Chiefs until, until then.
0: All right, guys, they didn't make any bold predictions per se, but Jarvis Chris did say he would give the win to Kansas City. But he said he'd give it to him for a different reason, not necessarily the way in which they beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Do you agree? Is, is there obviously there's a path to winning for either one of these teams because it's pretty much even going in. But is this a Chiefs team that can beat the Eagles but beat them in a different way?
2: Wow. oh, That's a good question. I mean, because personally, I really feel like this is going to come down to the offensive line and defensive line play. And I'm a huge fan of Philadelphia's on, on both sides of the football. So I do see a path for the Kansas City Chiefs to to get in there and and, and win this game, obviously. Right. You know, Travis Kelsey, you know, and, and uh, Pat Mahomes get off. We know what that what that combination can do once they get rolling. However, I really feel like this is a game that I, th- I think this AJ Brown and, and Jalen Hurts connection is, is really been taking on a life of its own, right? So I think that's going to be something that's going to, and then making sure that I see some call quarterback runs for Jalen Hurts, and I think that that's because that's that's a numbers game, right? When you're talking about doing that, and I think they're going to be able to take advantage of that of that front for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So right now, I I do see a path. But I think the Philadelphia Eagles' offensive line and defensive line are going to be able to kind of come out on top on this one.
0: And Kyle, I want to go to something that Gino talked about as well. You know, when you look down the the list and the fact that hey, the Eagles have only lost one game, and I don't know about you guys, but it really wasn't even the Eagles that lost one game. I, I feel like it was Jalen Hurts that lost one game against the Jets because he just kept. It was like a self-implosion, self-inflicting wound after wound. And it's interesting because Jay, uh, Gino was saying how with Jalen just don't do too much, right? Just be who Jalen is, and you have an opportunity there in the absence of a Nick Bolton to be able to take advantage of that. And like Jarvis said, maybe some uh, design run plays for him. But again, I think, and Kyle, just want to get your input on that. Is that also a path to the Eagles winning? In large part, it hinges on Jalen Hurts and whether or not he's just Jalen Hurts and he doesn't try to do too much.
1: Yeah, I think Jalen Hurts has to protect the football in this game. Obviously, that was what you alluded to, Tanitra, where they they had the ball and the lead in the final two minutes against the Jets, and he threw like the worst pick of the day with the last one, and they ran it all the way back inside the red zone and and ended up scoring the game-winning points there. But Mm -hmm. uh, I just look at uh, as somebody whose favorite team has lost to both of these teams in the last month. I have a pretty good perspective on both these teams. I think Philadelphia is a much more complete football team than what Kansas city is, where you think about Kansas city offensively, they're really good with the interior tree on the offensive line, but those two new offensive tackles that they brought in have not performed a standard between Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor. And that Philly pass rush with all of these guys on the edge and Josh sweat. And, um, they, they have,
0: Nicole, we can start and stop with that. I know Jarvis yeah. is always shopping at I'm the training but I hear you guys. Hassan
1: Redick. Yeah, Hassan Reddick was the, the one whose name I was blanking on. Oh, yeah, yeah. One I think the recipe really is a problem for Kansas City's tackles because he is such a different kind of rusher. You know, if you, you got guys in tight alignments and you're going to rush him and, and you want to challenge him with speed to power, that's a little bit more, you know, two bighorn sheep going at it. But Hassan Reddick with his versatility and moving around is is really a problem for those offensive tackles. And then Philadelphia, you know, you're answering the questions for what Kansas City has without Nick Bolton. You have Chris Jones in the middle and they've got good players with the rest of the group up front, but it's not the wave after wave like Philadelphia has on their front. So I, I just think, yes, the pathway for Philadelphia winning includes Jalen Hurts taking care of the ball. But I think Philadelphia has exponentially more pathways to winning and because of the other talent that they have in the other areas of both of these respective rosters,
0: and I think that's a great point that Kyle makes, Jarvis, the fact that these are also two teams that are not the same as the teams that played in the Super Bowl. And it makes you think like, okay, well, both of the teams were aggressive, and both of them reloaded in the offseason in free agency, they made some moves. But it does appear, that for the moves that the Eagles made, both in free agency, um, in the draft class, you know, they've even made some aggressive moves within the season, like towards the trade deadline to maybe to put themselves in position to be that team that comes out of the NFC, right? To potentially play that rematch for the Chiefs. But let me ask you this question. Well, part one and part two, and then Kyle, I want you to weigh in on that as well. But Jarvis, first, first you, do you see a that it's going to be the Eagles and the Chiefs as a rematch or B, if not, then who comes out of the AFC to play the Eagles or who comes out of the NFC to play the Chiefs?
2: Well, to be honest with you, I think there are only really two other Super Bowl contenders in the NFC that that I feel like that can challenge the Eagles. You know that's the Lions and, and the San Francisco 49ers. Those are probably the two most consistent teams that I've watched. I hadn't put my eyeballs on this year. I know people want to throw the Cowboys in there. I almost thought made them an honorable mention, but I just don't trust them. I don't yeah. <laughs> I stay with you. <laughs> so. Yeah, I shouldn't, right? I, I know you you probably say, you know, agree with me on that one, but yes. but I think that when you talk about those type of teams and, and as far as the AFC side, right? That's the the one like we got we got we talked about two, six and three teams that the steelers and the browns they were like oh oh no necessarily and then you got the dolphins with kyle crab kyle talked about his favorite team the dolphins yeah they look really good but against teams that are just as good or if not better they haven't looked all that great so i put them as an honorable mention that leaves one team in the afc really competing with the chiefs i feel and that's the baltimore ravens and even they've had their issues especially within the fourth quarter of game so I think that, yes, to answer your question, yes, I feel like this could be a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl preview. And we could see these same two teams playing playing in February. Indeed. And
0: Kyle, what about you? Do you think that it's these are the two teams that we see are going to have a rematch or a clash come February? And if not, who is in the way of the Eagles? Who's in the way of the Chiefs getting back there, in your opinion?
1: So I think these two teams are on the inside track. And one of the big reasons why is aside of the fact that they're already at the top of their respective conferences as we go into week 11, they're also each in the bottom eight in remaining strength of schedule for win percentage of teams that they have left to play. Now, there's some teams that have some really soft schedules that might make an interesting run as far Mm -hmm. as winning enough games. And if Kansas City were to, at two losses, drop two games, you know, maybe they they don't end up as the number one seed. And, and we've seen just how frequently they've had success in the postseason because the playoffs run through Arrowhead, right? So I, I think that's kind of the the determining factor for me. If you told me Kansas City ends up with the one seed again, I'd be very inclined to pick them. And I I do think Philadelphia is in kind of a class of their own in the NFC, just because while there have been teams that are, are similar with record, I don't think Philly's played close to their best football yet. Mm-hmm. And they, if they get into a position where they're playing in December and January and they actually put it all together and like the offense and defense click at the same time, they're going to be very, very, very difficult to stop. They're they're 50% on third downs offensively already. And defensively, you know, they, they, they just brought in Kevin Byard. I think they are the team. If you ask me which one was more likely to get back, I would say Philadelphia.
0: Yeah. I would agree. And it's interesting because both of these teams are also coming off a bye, and both of these teams are coming off wins before the the bye. So I feel like this is where you really kind of see them start to separate themselves. Although you can make the argument just as you guys both have. And I think those are valid arguments that they've already kind of separated themselves, but kind of, what do you look for Jarvis in the back half of the season from the chiefs to say, yeah, I, I definitely see from what, how the chiefs are playing, that that team is the one that I'm going to see come February.
2: I think there is two, it's two things for me and it's on the offensive side of the football. Right. Like I think that though, I got to see one wide receiver, like really step up and just start being consistent because you know, you're going to get opportunities with all the attention that's being paid on, on the paid attention to in the middle of the field with Travis Kelsey. Right. So I, I think that uh, some consistency from one of those guys, either one, it doesn't even matter. And, and then, some more commitment to the run game. I know that's kind of hard to ask of Andy Reid because we know that sometimes he was just like, you know what? I don't need a blanket. I don't need the dog on run the football. You know, I'm just going to slay this bad boy all over the yard because I got one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game already, you know, in Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think that, you know, if they can figure out a way to get some consistency in both in the run game and the, the, those weapons on the outside and one of those guys stands stepping up saying, okay, I can be, I'm not, I'm not necessarily Tyreek Hill. But I can step in and to to be a guy that um, Patrick Mahomes can count on when all that co- is Travis Kelsey is drawing all that coverage,
0: and it may end up being. Kind of a a two for one in isaiah pacheco because that's kind of where he gets obviously that is his run game but low key that's actually where they get a dual threat running back of someone who can catch successfully out of the backfield so be interesting to see how much they go to him more and more as the season goes on because that's exactly how it happened for them last year he really started to step up as the season wore on and definitely in the postseason kyle what about you what do you need to see from the eagles in this second half of the season for you to say, hey, not only do I think the guys are going to be the ones coming out of the NFC South, NFC, record, but I expect to see you guys in the Super Bowl as well, and maybe even winning it this time.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, Jalen Hurts continuing to play more consistently with all the facets of the quarterback position. You know, he, he has these switches that he can flips where he gets really, really good, and and he's he's in rhythm. But then sometimes he's out of rhythm, but he's good outside of structure, and then he can run. And it's like, can you just find the groove for a sustained period of time? Because, you know, in Philly, the the last two weeks for the Philadelphia Eagles offensively have not been remotely close to their best efforts, where they've had 292 yards against Dallas at home. And, you know, they they were up big in that game. Dallas came back and and nearly stole the game at the end. Mm -hmm. When you play these good teams – being able to to effectively finish and do so in a multitude of ways. And it's tough because they lost Dallas Goddard for an extended period of time with he has a a broken arm, but we should expect to see him back by the postseason. Mm
2: -hmm. So for
1: Philly, it's don't let this five-game stretch of your schedule trip you up either because they are at Kansas City, Buffalo Bills, San Francisco 49ers, at Dallas Cowboys, at Seattle. They -hmm. got a really, really tight stretch here. You go three and two or better in that stretch though. I think you're going to put yourself in position to really bring this thing home, but don't sleep on the lions because they, they might steal the one C here. Cause they do have a soft schedule in comparison to the five. We just went through.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If they tend to be like the lions we saw at the beginning versus maybe a little bit of the middling where they stumbled a bit, then they could be scary. Good. And yeah. The NFC might actually run through Detroit. Imagine that. Anyway, as we prepare for the NFL week with Sell Me Why, here's Jarvis' to tell you, sell you rather, on DoorDash.
2: Listen up, guys. Jarvis Davis here for DoorDash. This episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by DoorDash. Have you just been sitting down in the middle of the night? I know this is my story, guys. I'm telling you, I was the other night. I was just chilling, minding my business, you know. Then, next thing you know, my stomach started rumbling around. I'm just like, Oh my god, I'm so hungry! Oh, I need some wings! Oh, let me go to my DoorDash app and check them out. Yes, that's where you need to go, too. They came through for me like good kidding folk. I'm telling you, it was just absolutely amazing. I was able to jump right on there. I saw the deal, I said, Okay, there we go. DoorDash, they got my wings, I'm ready to get that. Thing going off, and if you've been under that situation, I need you to go to DoorDash right now it, because guess what? You could be able to get fifty percent out of to a ten dollar value when you spend fifteen dollars or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK twenty three, yes, code LOCK twenty three. Subject to turn change terms apply, and I'm I'm telling you guys. When are you talking about rooting for your team on an empty stomach, why would you do that? That is just so ridiculous. I need you to score football season's best deal on groceries, restaurants, and retail, retail, and more because you can get groceries. Come on now. This is just so convenient. I'm, I'm really big on convenience, guys. So I need you to go to DoorDash app right now. And you're going to get 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code Lock 23, that's Lock 23, something to change, terms apply. All
0: right, guys, the Tennessee Titans are traveling to Jacksonville to take on the current AFC South leaders in the Jaguars. The Titans are seven-point underdogs in that game. Here's Tyler Roland of
5: Locked on Titans to tell us why the Titans might cover that spread. The Tennessee Titans need a miracle if they're going to defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road in week 11. My name's Tyler Roland, host of the Locked on Titans podcast. I don't care who you pray to, whether it's Zeus, Buddha, Allah, the seven old gods, the Lord of the light, eight pounds, six ounce, baby Jesus. That's how I like to picture him. Either way, Titans fans need to look to the sky and pray for some divine intervention. On Sunday, let's just lay out the realities here. The Tennessee Titans are a three and six football team that look like they may have the worst offensive line in the NFL to go along with that. They've lost eight straight games on the road. They haven't won a road game. All season long, the Titans are struggling mightily right now, and they're going up against a Jacksonville team that's six and three, leading the division, and that swept them last year. So, this is a very, very tough circumstance for the Titans to walk into with a rookie quarterback to go along with that struggling offensive line. But again, the Titans could use a miracle to win this game, and that miracle could come in the form of winning the turnover battle. And again, the odds are stacked against the Titans here as well. The Titans are one of the worst teams in the NFL this year enforcing turnovers, while Jacksonville has been one of the best teams in the NFL in turnover margin. It's really led them to some key wins while the offense has been struggling, but the offense struggled for Jacksonville because their offensive line is not that great either. They've been struggling as well. And the Titans' biggest strength on the team is their pass rush. So if the Titans pass rush can dominate the matchup against the Jaguars offensive line, they can put Trevor Lawrence in third and longs. They can create some bad decisions, and they could create some turnovers, not only helping the Tennessee Titans get the Jaguars offense off the field, but helping the Titans struggling offense put up points. For more analysis, check out the Locked On Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.
2: I love you me to Tyler, so Roman. can I say that? Jesus. I mean, when yes. you
0: spoke so baby Jesus, you know it is so serious. Like, literally, Jarvis. And Kyle, I <laughs> I felt like, Kyle, I should have opened my prayer closet and just started praying for these guys. Like, dang, you going down a new hall, and you're going to need Jesus to get out of there with a win. Jarvis, I mean, is it really that, like, serious? Like, are they really in that much jeopardy? Have no chance...
2: A no chance and you know where to get a win? Um yes. Um <laughs> because Will <laughs> Levis, ever since he looked like Brett Favre in the first game against the Falcons, it has just been all down here from there. So <laughs> I think that when you think about, you know, a rookie quarterback going through rookie struggles, it's hard. It's hard to to kind of come around on that because like that's all you got, and that's who you've gone with, and you decide to say, hey, we're gonna ride this wave. So and they're going through one of those. D- down ways right now as far as Tennessee Mm -hmm. Titans goes. However, there is a little light, T, because the Jacksonville Jaguars got their butts kicked last week (laughs) (laughs) against the San Francisco 49ers at home. And there are people now questioning whether or not Trevor Lawrence is the guy because, you know, Jacksonville has been bad for quite some time and people just want to be optimistic about their team down there in Duval. But it just seems like every now and then these things come to light. These little insufficiencies, as far as being a being a, a face of the franchise type quarterback, they they just came to light last week. So I think that you know I think ultimately Jacksonville gets the win because you know you know that was embarrassing last week. But like it, that's that's not to say that the Jacksonville Jaguars can put out a stinker because they are very more than capable of doing that. Indeed. Now, Kyle, you know Will Levitt's
0: Yes, he looked all-world when he came back. But then again, every quarterback who starts his first game of the season against the Falcons looks like all-world. So Will Levis has now come back down to earth, but is there an opportunity here for him to maybe reset himself and maybe help to reset that Titans offense and not just give the Jaguars, uh, the Jaguars a run for their money, but maybe even see a win out there?
1: Well, I'll say this. if If that was your sales pitch – for why you were selling us on Jacksonville covering the spread. Right. I got a few more things written down for whenever you're talking to whatever football God or other God that you pray to for these Tennessee Titans. (laughs) They average three trips to the red zone per game and average one for three getting into the red zone per game through nine games this season. 31% of red zone trips get into the end zone. That is 31st in the league. They are about 33% on third down offensively. So you're, you're playing behind the sticks. You're getting into the red zone when the field is compressed and you can't score touchdowns. You have a terrible offensive line with a run first identity. Wow. What an inspiring concoction and, and formula. This is for the Tennessee Titans. And Oh, by the way, who is the number one team in the NFL in turnovers defensively, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So if your sales pitch is go against the number one turnover defense in the league and win the turnover battle, bless you. It ain't going to happen.
0: <laughs> now, you know, in, speaking of a turnover battle that could be won, that might be the Jets' pathway to beating the Bills after what we saw out of Josh Allen earlier this week. This is a week one rematch for these two teams. It's going down in Buffalo, and John Buchko of Locked on Jets is going to sell us why the Jets can cover as seven-point underdogs.
6: I'm John Butchko, the host of Locked On Jets. For the New York Jets to cover the spread this weekend against the Buffalo Bills, they will need to play their best game. That means generating a lot more offense. The Jets have all, have gone almost three full games without a touchdown. The situation's even more dire than that. You'd have to go back to week four against the Kansas City Chiefs to find the last time the Jets had a multi-play touchdown drive. Every touchdown they've had since then has either been on defense or or on a one-play drive where Brees Hall broke a big play. The Jets need somebody to step up on offense. At this point in time, really the only way they can generate offense is Garrett Wilson with a chain-moving reception or Brees Hall hitting a home run either on a carry or a reception. Somebody like Xavier Gibson, a rookie, undrafted rookie wide receiver, or Izzy Abanaconda, a rookie running back who should take on a bigger role after the team cut Michael Carter, needs to step up. On the other side of the ball, the Jets just need to keep doing what they're doing. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL, and this has always been a good matchup for them. The last two years, there's been no defense that's given Josh Allen bigger problems. The Jets' defense stylistically plays into Allen's weaknesses because they're willing to allow short gains. They're willing to allow the three-, four-, five-yard reception. They dare quarterbacks to try and throw the ball into heavy coverage, and Allen has obliged. He's uh, turned the ball over four times when these teams played week one, and... After the Jets keep it close, it comes down to special teams. The Jets have had obvious, arguably the best special teams unit in the NFL this season. Thomas Morstead, the punter, and Greg Zerline have both been great. And the first time these teams met this season, week one, they won. the Jets won the game in overtime on a punt return touchdown by Xavier Gibson. If the Jets are going to cover, again, they're going to have to play well in all three phases. They're going to have to play their best game. Even though the Bills are struggling, they are the more talented team. They're a team that's as much as they're may have issues. They're playing at a higher level than the Jets right now. It's going to take a lot for the Jets to cover in this game.
0: Guys, we have some breaking news to share with our audience. We talked about this at the top of the hour as we gave reaction to the Thursday night football game that saw the Ravens beat the Bengals 34-20. to Ravens knew right then that they were going to lose Mark Andrews for the season. Word has now come from multiple sources that the Bengals will indeed lose Joe Burrow now for the season. He is out for the year with a torn ligament. That is per coach Zach Taylor, and that's been confirmed by multiple outlets. He had his MRI this morning. Jake Browning, of course, who we talked about, who finished the game last night, is the backup who is going to be expected to likely play. For the rest of the year. But Kyle, we talked about how tight it was in the AFC North already and how the Bengals were kind of at the bottom of that particular division looking up. Man, what a blow to uh, the Bengals' chances to make any noise uh, to get out of that division or even keep their wild card hopes alive.
1: Yeah. And, and you think about Cincinnati, the performance this season defensively felt like it took a step back as well. They had, had a couple of safeties that left. So if you're looking for like, okay, what's Cincinnati's pathways to win games moving forward? Well, T Higgins has been banged up. Yeah. The offensive line hasn't looked great. You have had the defense regress as you had Von Bell and Jesse Bates leaving free agency this offseason season. And haven't really had guys that have gained teeth playing in those spots. And now Jake Browning's at quarterback. I mean, just, just humor me. Here's the games they have left on the schedule. Pittsburgh. At Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Minnesota, at Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Cleveland. Are they winning a game? Like as a genuine question, they they do not have they are 65% win percentage is the remaining win percentage of the games that the Bengals have left to play this season. And you have everything else that was going wrong, and now Joe Burrow to Jake Browning is the transition at quarterback. It it's no that there may be some silver linings for Cincinnati and getting a high draft selection and and being able to make a financial decision with a contract and drafting a wide receiver and a good wide receiver class. And like all those storylines are going to open up, but like that in my mind is where my mind goes for, for Cincinnati because you can forget about the playoffs. It ain't going to happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You talking about being at the bottom of the division already, right? With Joe Burrow, because it's just, and, and I think it's just, as far as Joe Burrow's future, right? Because he's been dealing with some injuries, right? You know, he had, he had one coming to the season, got off to a slow start. You saw them kind of cater their offense to that, right? You know, as he, as they try to figure start figuring things out, then they go on the, on the win streak and you start saying, okay, all right, the Bengals start looking like the team that can compete. But when you are talking about losing him for the rest of the season, and then like Kyle laid out, like now the conversation changes, shifts, right? And, And I think that, this is something that you're going to really figure out Zach Taylor's going to earn his money because true enough, like he can't be this. He can't have this mindset, right? Like, oh, yep. Season over with, but he's going to have to figure out a way because you still got guys. It's just a matter of now Jake Brown is delivering the football. And you know what I I would do if I was Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor, I would be having him turn around with his back facing to the defense, handing off to Joe Mixon, and I'm throwing to Joe Mixon. We, we're going to figure out a way to bleed every bit of talent and, and uh, 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 juice that we can get out of Joe Mixon and then figure out a way to get the ball to Jamar Chase at, at some point. So, yeah, this is – now, Grant, it's definitely – it doesn't look good, and this they're going to stay at the bottom of this AFC North Division. But man, Zach Taylor got to figure out a way to rally the troops. And this is he gonna earn his um paycheck. That's for sure for these last it, few games. T- yeah. If I can just follow up on that real quick, Bengals
1: 31st in the league in rushing attempts thus far this season, and they're averaging 3.9 yards per carry. So th- it's like the antithesis of everything that they are is what you're gonna ask them to be. But I agree with JD that that's probably how you're going to maximize this is kind of be what the Jets are with Garrett Wilson. And with Brees Hall is you got like a couple staple skill players to work with. I'd say Cincinnati's offensive line is better. So can can you adopt that style of play? It's just nothing like what you've
0: been to this point in the season. Yeah. And I think you guys make a great point as well. I want to talk a little bit about uh, just actually the QB challenges overall, because I believe this last Sunday was the first time that there were 10 rookies. Who started? So it's a little bit disconcerting in what you're seeing uh, happening under center throughout the league. But I also wanted to go back to something, Jarvis, that you mentioned, which was you got to this five and five because Joe Burrow was banged up to start the season. So that's been a challenge. And like you said, also Kyle, you look at T. Higgins and T. Higgins has just not been himself, and we've yet to see him to come back and be himself. But if you look at Joe Burrow from the time he entered the league in 2020 to now. 10 games in 2020, 16 and 21 and 22, but then he's going to end this season again with just 10 games. And in those 16 in the two seasons that were sandwiched between the first and the current, let's not forget that he was playing banged up football then. And it does kind of speak to, like you said, where do, where do they go in the future? Because a Brown, a Browning can't get you to where you want to be. You can't even get out of the division with that, at QB. And don't get me wrong. Of course, they're going to hope for Joe Burrow to come back 100% full strength, but it does kind of make you scratch your head that two out of his four seasons, he barely got through half of the season.
1: I I think some of that comes back to sacks taken too, where he, he took 32 sacks in the game. One of the
0: games that the one that got him to the super bowl poor guy. Yeah.
1: I mean, he, he led the league in sacks taken in 2021. One of the games where he played 16 games and then he, had what was it appendicitis, but that the start of training camp in 2022? The good news is you only got one appendix, right? So, like, that one's done and or with you won't got to worry about that injury again. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, Tanisha, I'm glad you mentioned all of the quarterbacks across the league that had been getting injured too. Because yeah. you, you think about kind of stylistically the, the changes of defenses across the league, and we're playing a lot more too high safety shells and trying yeah. to force more methodical drives as compared to explosive plays. And what what moves the needle for everybody in those situations? It's it's guys at quarterback who can get off script, extend plays, get outside the pocket, whether they run, whether they run to throw or run to run. But those instances expose you to more hits. It exposes you to more precarious situations. So think about the the, the old guard, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. How'd they play 16, 18, 20 years? Yeah, whatever sure. Tom ended up playing. You know, yeah. they, they'll throw the check down. They don't care. They say, I'm going to throw it to the back three yards, and he's going to run for five. And we're going to get eight yards, and it's going to be second and two, and life is good. So I, I just – I can't help but wonder about that trend of coveting outside of structure, athlete quarterbacks, and a lot of the, the athletic quarterbacks, they don't get hurt when they're running because they are allowed to be ball carriers. It's, it's when you get outside the pocket or you're extending within the pocket and passing to look for big plays downfield, that I'd be very interested to see if there's any trends there as far as why you're seeing some of these quarterbacks get hurt and we're seeing the number of quarterbacks that are starting really start
0: to inflate. Indeed, indeed. And you think about a quarterback in Matt Ryan who with the Falcons across his entire career, all of three games missed, and not all three were injury. Uh, One was a decision, coach's decision, and I think two of those were indeed, for injury. And one of those didn't come until his very last season with the Falcons. So, yeah, there's some good points of that, Kyle, where maybe coaches are going to have to start looking at, yes, the mobile QB is the QB of the future, but how do we extend the life of that mobile QB now? Listen, it's almost time for our fantasy football focus. So while we're on that subject, of course, with individual player performances, we're going to dig into it in a second with our girl, Michelle But First, Jarvis is going to tell you guys
2: about prize picks. Jarvis Davis here for Prize Picks. This episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Folks, Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. That's huge. That's really huge. Uh, We are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. None of this battling against, you know, thousands of other players and including pros and sharks and all that stuff. All you got to do, pick more or less than... On a two to six player stat projection and watch the winnings roll in. I'm telling you guys, it's just that easy. And with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projection across football and basketball. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a two and a half combo of three points made plus receptions. I'm telling you guys, it's just that simple. And prospect even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players get injured. I'm telling you guys. They're all on your side to, to get these wins. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only, the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prospect.com slash locked on NFL, prizepickscom slash locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 because Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy.
0: Fantasy football trade deadlines are here and our locked on fantasy football host Michelle Madhuk has three players you should consider trading away before it's too late.
7: Fantasy trade deadlines are approaching quickly. Here are three players that I think you should trade away prior to the deadline. First up being Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert. I get it. He just had a five touchdown performance, you might say, but he's elite in fantasy. He has some elite games, but he also just has far too many duds. He he kills you in fantasy far too often. I mean, just over the last four weeks, it's been a roller coaster. Quarterback 20, quarterback seven, quarterback 25, quarterback two. Just far too inconsistent and I am not a fan of his upcoming schedule whatsoever I mean over the next three weeks he'll face the Packers in Green Bay don't love that then he has to face the Ravens elite defense and then after that he has to go to New England to play against the Patriots like I don't like to play any quarterback that has to go into New England that's never fun and Herbert's just too inconsistent for me when it comes to us approaching the playoffs I am trying to get him off my fantasy teams prior to those deadlines. Another guy I'm looking to trade right now is Vikings wide receiver, Jordan Addison. He was, he's having a really solid rookie year. Don't get me wrong. But since Kirk cousins season ending injury, I know Josh Dobbs is doing his thing, but Addison has had fewer than 70 receiving yards and zero touchdowns in each of the last two games. And now we get Justin Jefferson coming back as well, right? So he was the lead guy there. He was getting the targets, but the production wasn't really there with Josh Dobbs. And I don't think Josh as good as Josh Dobbs is, I don't think he has in him to feed Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. Like something has to give here. And I do think we're going to see Addison's production drop even more than it has been the last couple of weeks. So I'm looking to trade him for a a talented veteran. That's also been disappointing lately, but you trust that will bounce back maybe like a Cooper cup or a DK Metcalf. I, I trust those guys a bit more. So I'm looking to get a trade done like that prior to the deadline. And then last up, it's Ravens running back Gus Edwards. We just saw him on Thursday night football score another two rushing touchdowns. All right. Edwards has scored an insane nine rushing touchdowns over the last five weeks. That kind of insanity touchdown luck cannot last forever. And sooner or later, Lamar Jackson has to start racking up these passing touchdowns. Right. Or uh, even... Stealing some of these rushing touchdowns himself. We saw Ricky running back, Keaton Mitchell get more involved in the two weeks prior. He was really proving himself to get that bigger role. Edward, if Edwards does not score a touchdown in any given week, his fantasy production is going to be so underwhelming. 30 of his 47 fantasy points scored over the last three weeks have come on touchdowns. So that's fewer than six fantasy points, per game over that time if he didn't score a touchdown. I don't want to be stuck holding on to Edwards uh, once his touchdown luck inevitably fades away because it it just has to. So I'm looking to trade him before the deadlines as well.
0: All right, so Kyle, Michelle said she wants to part ways with Justin Herbert and Jordan Addison. If he's on your team, he's got to go trade him or keep him.
1: Uh, I'm inclined to agree with Jordan Addison just because I don't know how high the astronaut buzz is going to go with Joshua Dobbs and and him coming in there and and balling out. Like, How sustainable is that? What is that going to look like when Justin Jefferson comes back? I think there is just a little bit too much unknown there to know what the volume is going to look like to really trust Jordan Addison. So if you get a sell high opportunity, I, I would take that one for sure. Um, from a quarterback perspective, I think if the Chargers are going to get this done, they're going to have to lean into Justin Herbert and he's going to have to have big games. So they're in the thick of the playoff race. But I think if I cross-reference where they're at as a football team with what the defense looks like, so what you're going to have to do offensively to win games, to be able to get into the playoff conversation, actually get a playoff berth, I think it sets up well for Herbert to have to do it. So you, you'd have to really give me the moon for me to want to trade Herbert.
0: Yeah, and I think it would be doable because we saw what the Packers, I guess I'm going to say, didn't do to the Steelers, and that's why the Steelers won that game. How about you, Jarvis? Do you trade him or do you keep Herbert and or Addison?
2: Um, to be honest with you, I, I, I'm in favor of um, keeping Justin Herbert because, like you said, with the, the shakiness of the defense, you know, and them saying, "Hey, here's the ball," you know, with Kellen Moore being the offensive coordinator out there with the Chargers. Yeah, he's definitely inclined to throw the rock. So I think that they're going to be put in situations where he's going to have to throw the ball. And I think that, you know, I know a lot of people are kind of turned, turned off about by uh, Justin Herbert and starting to question his acumen as a quarterback, mm-hmm. a, a face yeah. of the franchise. But he can sling it. He still sling it. So I think just from a fantasy perspective, yeah, I think that, that kind of works. So I would... I would, I was, I would stick around with with Justin Herbert unless I just get a, a a crazy ridiculous deal that you know that I have to accept. But, but yeah, as far as Jordan Addison goes, I think like you don't know what you know Justin Jefferson with him coming potentially coming back and everything like that. And I think that you know Dobbs has a really nice connection with with TJ Hawkinson. He's been playing really well as of late. So yeah, I would, I probably would, would, would trade Jordan Addison to see what I can get back in return.
0: And guys, we've got a couple minutes left. I want to hit two subjects, and I want to end on a positive note, so I'm going to hit you guys with one of them, and then I'm going to share the other one. But first things first, of course, we broke the news when we found out about it that Joe Burrow is done for the season, so we kind of shifted in that direction. But I want to go back to the Jets' Bills because this is their second and final matchup of the season. It's in Buffalo. Guys, give me your thoughts real quick on where that game lands as far as who wins.
1: I think Buffalo gets it done at home. Uh, You know, Jets, just the the – for as depressing as Tyler, tell me why it was for the Titans. I'm listening so to depressing. John go through the jets litany of haven't had a multi-play touchdown drive since the chiefs game in week five. It's like, Holy cow. And I we know. call the football gods and these guys too, and get a little, yeah. little fortune coming their way. So okay. uh, I think Buffalo, they sent a message, I think to that football team with, with the firing of the offensive coordinator, whether he was mm-hmm. the most culpable of the issues going on with that team or not a uh, big time, wake up call when somebody loses their job though. Uh, and I think the bills are too talented to keep doing what they've been doing. And, uh, I, I think they get that one done against the Jets. Yeah, Travis,
0: Bill's done back in Buffalo?
2: Yeah, I am I got Bills getting, getting it done because, like you said, even though Josh Allen is, like, he's leading, leading the charge with turning the ball over, I just think Zach Wilson, he doesn't do anything for me, and I don't see the Jets' uh, defense scoring three touchdowns. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, Bills winning this so. one.
0: Right, that may be where it begins and ends, right? One more good note that I want to wrap up with, guys, since we've had so much bad news, especially on the QB front this weekend. Just got word that Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert are both activated. Of course, Khalil Herbert, the running back for the Bears, but Justin Fields activated, so hopefully it looks like he will be in the game uh, come Sunday. Bears with a critical game at the Lions, and critical for the Lions as well, so that they can keep winning and keep on track with the Eagles. Good stuff for us to end the show on.
1: Yeah, and I'm hopeful for Justin Fields. I don't know that this regime in Chicago is going to survive past this year, but this is a really good opportunity for Justin where he kind of came on after the first month of the season. Put some good tape out there because if Chicago does hit reset, odds are with them having Carolina's first-round pick in addition to their own, they're going to be picking a quarterback. So if I'm Justin Fields, the, the biggest motivation that I have is to show the league who I am as a player because there's a pretty good chance if Chicago fires Matt Eberflus that that Justin's going to be playing somewhere else next year. And you you, want to have teams that have assets and and have a good infrastructure and can help you uh, to be
2: interested in you.
0: Yeah. And Jarvis wanting to see him do it while he remains healthy.
2: Yeah. I just want to see Justin Fields get a a real chance because it's obviously that this regime is not sold on him. So I think putting that good tape out there. I think that is, you speaking, you preach to the choir, uh, Kyle, over there. You know? So yeah, put that good tape out there and prove you, you can be a starter quarterback in the NFL.
0: Indeed, indeed. Well, we've got a couple of good matchups intriguing one Sunday, but we know the one that everybody's looking for is Chiefs Eagles on Monday. We appreciate you guys, as always, stopping by NFL Kickoff Live and everywhere on the Locked On Sports Network in and around the country. And since we won't see you guys next, we want to wish you guys a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Until next time.